talk about the Miller method. As you know, uh, most people will go and after the diagnostic of autism, they will try to go to do an ABA therapy or behavioral therapy or another way is PRT. All of those methods are actually the same. It's behavioral therapy in different names and different aspects. Today we're going to talk about the development approach. The development approach is different from behavioral therapy. It's different because when we are talking about the child needs, we're talking about the development method. We talk about what the child needs in the way that where he is right now in his development stages and what milestones do we need to accomplish. While ABA will try to make the child looks as normal as possible and to ask for compliance from the child. I will give you an example. Let's say that you have a child that flips his hands or always moves things around by order and flush the toilets every time. An ABA therapist will try to eliminate that kind of a behavior. A development therapist will try to see where does that needs come from. Is it something that makes the child calm? Is it something that the child needs for sensory output? And is it something that we can transform to something else? As a development therapist, if I have a child that works with water, I will see that as a point of working with the child on communication, on social skills, or even on any kind of an issue through water and so through their therapy we will actually work on communication my turn to flush the water and your turn to flush the water and then we will go and have a corner in our house or therapy room that we actually have bottled water different sizes different shapes uh, different colors and we will pour and we will talk about and we work on request if the child is not verbal we will uh, create a story if the child is semi-verbal has one word or two or uh, has a kalelia while ABA therapists will say no this kind of behavior is unacceptable and we need to eliminate it so we are actually taking from the child something that he needs or he is in that kind of development stage. So that is one of the things that are different from ABA. The Miller method, not like the floor time, it's using by using systems. A system means any organized behavior with an object or even an event that the child produces. Even, for example, one of the things that we just talked about in the bathroom, for example, that might seem upsetting to some, but to a therapist, it seems like the best way to communicate. Another thing that we are talking about when we say systems, we're using the two concepts. One is a closed system and the other one is an open system or system forming disorder. 
the way that we are looking at the closed system child and a system for forming disorder child is different. A closed system child will be someone that will line up cars and line up blocks without even looking or organizing them correctly and they fall every time. Or a child that will look at the sky and will color things on the ceiling. A system forming disorder child will be a child that will actually start something small and then a plane is in the air so he's going to the window to look at the, the airplane and then doesn't come back to do his uh, project to continue the block fee or any kind of assignment that he had. So while uh, we can go and see that a closed system child is actually the child that we will talk about on how we can communicate and work with them and create language much more easily than a child who is system forming disorder. The reason is while a child with closed system he actually has chunk of knowledge, chunk of in, in the memory that helps him to create language or to create sentences. And a child with system forming disorder, we will actually teach him or her how to create a system first. So let's talk about language. Why a, a child with system forming disorder first needs to be a closed system and then a closed system child needs to work on language. When we work on language with a closed system child, we teach him first with pictures and then we teach him sentences. But what happens when he doesn't have that? Well, we will start with gestures. Why do we use gestures? We use gestures because those are the extensions of our body. Think about this. When you go to a foreign country and you don't speak the language, you're reducing your um, output of language that you have. So you won't say anything in your own language. Let's say that you're going to Italy and you don't speak Italian, but you speak English. So what, and you go to a, a gelato to buy ice cream and guess what? The guy doesn't speak English. So if you talk to him in English, it will be unfruitful, unfruitful because the salesman can't help you because he doesn't understand what he wants. So what would you do? If there are pictures on the menu, you will point. That will be the first extension of your body. And that is the extension of the toddler that we have that first of all, he points and the parent or the caregiver will say the word. So you go to the supermarket with the toddler and you see the mother explain everything that the child or toddler, sorry, is pointing at. So he points to the milk, the mother says milk, and then the toddler start to say meh or nick or anything that is similar until it's the correct word correct, uh, the child saying it correctly, pronounce it correctly. 
when you are in Italy, the gelato's uh, salesperson will tell you, ah, it's chocolate and it's chocolate. So it will, uh, then you will know the word. And then when you will go next time or to go to another place, you will know to say, ah, I want a chocolate or chocolate. Because now you know the word, so you don't need the extension. Or you might not point on your body with your finger and say, because you want to say, I want. Or if you're going with someone, you don't point at them and say, and for that person, I want uh, another ice cream. Because maybe in the time that you're in Italy, you will learn a couple of words. And that is the issue. When we're talking about kids that don't have language, they didn't acquire it naturally, and we teach them the language, we take them to the steps that they are. So for example, if I would go in therapy and I see a child and he's not pointing and he's grabbing his parents to everywhere that he wants or they need to guess. So you will see that child very angry every time or cries every time because of it, because he doesn't understand why nobody understands him. And he doesn't understand that he can point to the something that he wants or he can say the words. He doesn't have that connection yet. So when I have a child who is nonverbal, who is a closed system, I will teach him first how to do an action and go to another activity because it's a still a closed system child that will only stay on that activity and will have difficulty to shift. Then I will teach the child how to point and how to use gestures. And then I will teach them the word and then a sentence. So for example, uh, I will give you a case example. I had a child who is two and a half years old. He was nonverbal. And the first time that I came to his house, I saw him sitting next to the window and he was like inside of a bubble. He didn't do anything, he didn't play, he didn't communicate with his parents. So what I did was to see what he likes. And he, did, he really likes cars. So I started playing with him with cars. I started to put next to him a lot of uh, many cars that he can choose from. And a box was next to me and he, every time that he needed to take a car, I would block his hand, I would put my hand on the box and he learned to tap on my hand to show me move. And then I've taught them how to say with the gesture open. And every time that he turned, I would actually go in different directions and to make sure that he will pay attention to where I am. And sometimes I would say to him, okay, where is the car? Where is the box? And the box will be behind me. And I would see that he's looking for it and I would teach him the gesture I want. So he learned how to say it. He learned how to say, oh, I want this box or I want car. Um, and we taught him by gestures. And a couple of weeks later, he started to mimic some sounds with his mouth. So he didn't say the word open, he said, uh, or pen. 
So he still was in a good stage of learning the language, learning the understanding of the extension of his body. And after a couple of weeks, we also started to build sentences. And sometimes we did it with text and sometimes we did it with gestures. And we used the whole methods that we have in our, in our room to make sure that the child will know what to say and what, how to express his needs and wants in the room. Because every child is different and every child has different uh, ways of communication and we need to teach them how to communicate with the surroundings in a natural way. So for example, um, I had someone who came from an ABA therapy and every time that they wanted him to comply or to do what they want to do in a different way, they would give him a, um, a chocolate. And every time that he needed a chocolate, he knew that they, it's come with a box that they need to open. So when he wanted chocolate, he will uh, sit very nicely on his chair. And everyone knew that when he sits like that, he actually is asking for chocolate. Now that is a very smart kid because he made the connection of the language, the nonverbal language of I'm taking, I know that if I want to have chocolate right now, I need to sit nicely. And this is a good behavior, like it's a very nice scene, uh, like, oh, I need to sit so I will get the chocolate. But on the other spectrum, there is a child that will bump his head on the table or on the wall very harshly. And the teacher would give him a cookie every time that he will stop. So what will happen when we want, when the child wants a cookie? That's right. He will bump his head because he knows only when I bump my head, I will get a cookie. So that is the sign for a cookie. And that is not nor, uh, not correct learning. So while in ABA they will teach them that way, we will teach them in a development way. We teach them the sign for cookie. We teach them to go to have the picture of a cookie or when are you allowed to have a cookie. So we teach the situation and we teach the schedule of everything. So it will be very, um, the child will understand what goes when and how. Now, Miller method is not only for kids who are nonverbal or low function. I'm also a shadow, an educational assistant. I've been working with kids for 20 years and part of my job is to go to school schools and to make sure that the IP of the child is being followed and to see what the child needs in the classroom. I will give you an example right now I'm actually in a private school where we have two shadows me and, and my client that is uh, semi-verbal he is rep repetitive and he can do things by himself and I've been working with him for four months and when I started with him he was non-verbal at all but that's mostly because of the, ther the therapy that he had before or because that he didn't really have therapy. 
So I came to his house every day for two hours, worked with him, and we, he started to have language, started to understand language and how to do things and how to work, and still he needs his way, but we are working, then it's different. The other child is doing ABA and has an ABA therapist with him in the room, ABA shadow, sorry. Now, on my first day, I already had a plan of what to do with the child. On the first day, he already knew exactly what to do because we practiced in the living room. I told him, I'm the teacher and your father is going to be your shadow. And we put a couple of puppets and we did the classroom in the living room and he knew exactly what to do. And he knew how to, where to sit, where to go. He listened to the teacher and everything else. The other child who is ABA, uh, he's doing ABA and is almost the same situation. He's ver uh, one word saying what he wants, can sit and everything else. But during this time, uh, we are already two months into the school year and the child is still doesn't have a program. The, teach the ABA therapist still didn't build anything for the child. She's still writing things down. Uh, how long can he sit? Uh, she times him. How long can he sit in a circle? How, how long can he write? Uh, what is difficult for the child? What he can do? What he can't do? do. Uh, when are the, uh, the difficult times in, during this, uh, the day? And that is the difference. While I have a plan, I see what the child needs and I can build a program for the child by using the development approach, the Miller method or floor time. Her method is, okay, I will wait, I will see where he is. But meanwhile, we are in October, uh, end of October and in two months, we have a vacation. We have a December vacation. We have a Christmas vac vacation. And we have, uh, after that, we have the March break. And that's it, the, the year ends. But my kid that works with me and we know exactly what his issues are. We know where he needs help. We know, um, where he needs to go, what he needs to do, uh, when is it time that he, it's hard for him, when he's going to have a tantrum. And we, there are things that we are still learning because every, even a neurotypical child, we are going to learn about what he needs because every child is different. That child that I'm working with is going to be without a shadow in a couple of months. We are actually in the process of taking me back and that the teacher will talk to him and that he will do what he needs. And I'm outside of the classroom. The ABA therapist is still analyzing what he can do. So that's the difference. Um, I have to also tell you this, that when we work with children in the House of Child Development, we work with them so they will be successful, not for the education department, not for the school or 
we want them to be the successful for them. That means that if a child has the abilities, we will teach them. And if he doesn't have the abilities, we will teach them to be able to do it. We see every child as a person that can do, and we will give them all the information and the abilities to do it. So let's talk about how we are searching for capacity. So our task is to help children use every capacity or fragment of capacity to cope with confusing and inconsistent world. What do we mean when we say inconsistent world? Well, I will give you an example. Let's say that you are driving to work and there is a traffic jam or an accident. How hard is it for you to change your lane, change your way to work? Would you just stop at the traffic, uh, uh, wait until they will clear the ro road from the accident or anything else from the traffic jam or whatever? and you might stay there for an hour or two hours or would you be able to say to yourself okay i need to change the route that i'm taking today and you will be okay with it you, nothing will happen you know that if you took east way and not the west way you will get the same way you know that nothing will happen a child with autism and sometimes if it's a closed system child it's very hard for him he will see itself as, oh my God, the world is going to end. It's no, you need to go from there. You need to sit in that seat. My father needs to sit in that side of the table. My mother needs to be on that side of the table. The lights should be dim and everything else. So what do we do with those situations? We teach that that child with very close system we teach them that yes don't worry that will be okay let's see if there is a change what will happen and after a couple of times he learns that okay it's fine i can do it i can cope with it and we also give them the understanding depends on their capacity of course and the ability of the child to see oh <clears throat> What do we need to give them? Is it words? Is it sentence? Is it social story? Is it facts? Is it a comfort word before we do the change? We need to see the child and you as a parent probably know better how to look at the child and say, okay, I know that before I do that, I need to do X, Y, Z. What are the tools in the, in the Miller method that we use to search for capacity? We used um, a diagnostic named Umwelt. So what um, Umwelt means in German, a uh, world around the child. So when a child comes to our clinic or we go to their house, we look at what is the child's capacity on changes and how he looks at us, if he looks at us as people or furniture, uh, can he create a social game, can he create, uh, what happens if he, if the parent says to him goodbye, will he stay with a stranger, 
or uh, he cries when the mother says goodbye and he thinks everything is going uh, downhill from here. From there we can create a scam, the program for the child and to help him. So that's our first part that we're going to talk about the Miller method and what we're going to do is the next time we're going to talk about the other method that we use in the development approach and that is floor time. I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you have any questions please feel free to uh, send me a link uh, on to my email info at autismcan.ca. Thank you and have a